As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Welcome to The Leaf Report podcast. Live from a rented Hyundai SUV somewhere near Worcester, Massachusetts, as we try and make our journey home. Every single flight into Toronto has been cancelled. Almost all of the media that was covering Game 2 in Boston is screwed and taking various ways to get home. Uh, I'm in the car with Mark Masters. Hello. And Jonas Siegel is driving, so he might not say as much, but he's still going to be part of the podcast. Hi. <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be the most amazing edition of the Leaf Report you have ever listened to in your life. We're gonna try and keep it light. We have uh, eight at least eight more hours to go, so um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long it's gonna be a long podcast. Yeah, we're driving into an ice storm in the middle of nowhere. So here, Mark, how do the Maple Leafs get back in this series? It's a good thing we have all this time. Uh, well, they got to win a game. So how do they do that, right? Uh, they're going home. They need, obviously, where do we start? Freddie Anderson has to be better, has to play really, really well. They need Austin Matthews. I think he showed some positive signs in Game 2. They need him to, to translate into that, translate that into some scoring in Game 3. And they need to find a way to stabilize things on the defense. They can't take penalties. Uh, and then when they do, they have to find a way to solve things on, a, on the penalty kill. Uh, and their power play has to start converting. And if they do all of that, I think... I think they'll be in okay shape. See, I think Mark should have just said everything. Yes. They need they need to fix everything. 
I think this is working. This is working, Jonas. What do you got to say about what's going to happen? Yeah, it's working. What do you think about game three? I just don't think the series is over. Like, they could obviously come back. Um, well, they could come home and lose game three. But all it takes is is Matthews to have a Matthews game. And it looked like early in game two that he was about to have one of those games and just didn't score. And then, like Babcock said after the game, like the puck goes in the net and suddenly momentum builds and builds and builds. The crowd gets going. And then it's 3 nothing, and then it's 4 nothing. But, like, all it takes is Matthews to have a game at home or Frederick Anderson to have a game, their power play to get going. So lots of things can change in the series. It just doesn't look good based on the way the first two games went. I think they need to win a low-scoring, ugly game. Is it recording? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Apologies to everyone. This is a new new thing. I'm recording on Jonas's phone here. So I, James, I, the mic is in the bottom of the phone. Well, yeah, I got that, but it just, like, it, the screen turned off. And... <laughs> so hold the bottom of the phone up to your... Oh, I see. Oh, I got it. There we go. This is going to sound... It's going to sound even better now. Right. <laughs> um, so we're six miles out from Auburn. I think we're making progress. Albany 128. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's good. We're going, we're, in, the right we're going in the right direction. Okay. What's uh, our pit stop strategy, Jonas? Like, are you, are you just going to try and put your foot down on the gas and get us home without stopping? Or what's the plan here? I thought we were going to do some day drinking in the back seat. Yeah. Is there time for a pit stop? Jonas is driving, so he's in charge of that. I defer to him. I think I'm going to look for a Wendy's. I haven't had a Wendy's in a while. Oh, and that's a poor choice. Where would you like to go? Arby's? I don't know. <laughs> Nihilist Arby's. That would be fitting for how this series has gone. Not, not only are the Leafs falling apart, but our travel plans but are so, falling apart too. Well, so let's get back to the Leafs, since I always have to drag us back to the actual topics at hand. Uh, we were talking about it before we actually started recording, but like you see in a game um, like Game 2, um, how important Nazem Kadri is. Like He is one of their five best players, four best players three best players and so when you take him out of the lineup suddenly you you lose your best two-way center maybe you lose a guy who scored 30 goals in the regular season you score a guy who's really dangerous on the power play and like James you pointed out he's kind of like their version of Bergeron so you take him off and it just makes it that much harder on them not only that but a lot of teams in the NHL have some wingers who are really good centermen and the Leafs don't have any which is I think kind of unusual you know some teams have I'm trying to think, like a Jeff Carter can play wing or can play center, or I know he's played center a lot for the L.A. recently, but a lot of teams have guys like that that are, you know, not they're not going to be a big downgrade when you move them to the middle, whereas the Leafs, you know, no offense to Patrick Marlowe, he's 38 years old, and starting game two with him as, as your center where you're trying to play him against basically the best even-strength line in the league, he was horribly overmatched. Sorry, Mark had a good point. Like, Tampa is a, is a team, like Babcock has talked about a lot, that they have all these guys who can play center or wing. Like, uh, you've got Point, you've got Stamkos, you've got, they had Nemestikov, they have Tyler Johnson, they just have so many options. JT Miller. JT yeah. Miller can play center, and that was part of why they got him. But, like, I thought about it before game two that they should have put Neilander at center to start because they just make themselves so much more difficult to match up against for Bruce Cassidy because he'd have to look at those two lines. You know what Babcock was thinking, though. Yeah, say what he was thinking. He was thinking Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, staring down at Nylander and Marner and going to work again. But you know what that is? That's coaching not to lose and, instead of coaching to win. And and, and that he, like there's there's validity to that. Like Nylander, Nylander hasn't played a lot of center, and, and I can imagine what would go through his mind 
you know, when he sticks those guys out for a face-off and Bergeron comes out and maybe gets scored on, but they can also score themselves. Like, they can also be a threat at the other end, and that's their strength. Like, that's just what they're better at. They, they, they're not going to be a line that's going to shut anybody down, but as we saw when they got put together at the start of the second period, they can score. So let's look at what's going to happen in Game 3. So we are all kind of expecting Matthews will be the matchup guy for, for Coach Babcock because he'll have last change. He doesn't have Kadri. Matthews against the Bergeron line. So what's he going to do? Is he, Obviously, we think Nylander at center uh, with Marner. Uh, they played with Hyman in that game against Boston that they played well against them uh, in February where they that was their best game against Boston this season. So maybe that's line that can do some damage if Matthews can either soft. Uh, Bergeron or even, you know, edge him out, outscore him in, in the game. Like, what sort of damage can Nylander at center with Marner do? I mean, that's a lot of skill on that line. If, if, if Mike Babcock controls the matchups, he should be able to get them some space against the th- second and third pairings of Boston. Um, that's probably what he's going to have to do and, uh, and hope for the best when it comes to the hard match with Matthews and Bergeron. You know what it kind of feels like Babcock was preparing, trying to prepare his team all season for like the grinding, low scoring playoff hockey where there wasn't a lot of room and all these kinds of things. That's not what the series has been. This series has had lots of chances. It's been, there's been lots of goals. There's been lots of power plays. I just, maybe they, the way that they were playing prepared them wrong for this series. I don't know if they, you think there's been lots of chances. Like Boston's has, it seems like Boston's had good chances I don't know if they've had... I guess because the game's got out of hand, it's hard to evaluate, but I don't know that they had a ton of chances. They've just had really good chances, and like Babcock pointed out, uh, I guess it was Sunday back in Toronto, um, everything has been around their net. Like, they've not done a good job around their net. And, like, some of this is, like like you guys have pointed out, this is just how the team is built. Like, they are, they are weak on the right side of their defense. They're using a 37-year-old on their top pair. They're using a guy in Nikita Zaitsev who doesn't look like he should be a top four defenseman right now. And Roman Polak is Roman Polak. So, like, they've been exposed a little bit that way. And special teams... Like special teams has been a huge part of these first two games. The penalty kill, which was struggling down the stretch, has been abysmal, um, and the power play hasn't been able to convert when they needed it. Uh, and you you can't lose the special teams battle this badly. We knew Boston was good five on five, really really good. We thought Toronto could maybe have an edge in special teams, certainly with their power play. But they've been undisciplined. That was one of that was the number one thing. Mike Babcock on Saturday morning said the adjustments he wants to see number one is discipline. Well, they took way too many penalties. They've taken too many ice, too many men on the ice penalties in back-to-back games. Um, it's been veterans taking penalties. James Van Riemsdyk's taken a couple. Hainsey took one, although he was coming to the defense of, of Mitch Marner. So can argue about whether he had to do that or he wanted to send a message. The bottom line is the penalty kill. kill their confidence has to be just rock bottom right now. They got to find a way to not take many penalties, and when they do, survive it. Because if they lose a special teams battle like this, they're not. They're they. They're they're done. Do you think that they wore some of these guys out during the season? Do you think they wore Anderson out? And he, I mean, he wasn't very good down the stretch. They wore Hainsey out. He wasn't very good down the stretch. Did they just lean too heavily on some of these guys? Quite possibly. I mean, Hainsey on that one power play goal that they allowed against with Bacchus in front, he looked exhausted by the end of that. I mean, it's a valid question for sure. They got their sports science team. They rested Anderson the one extra game down the stretch. He did look pretty pretty good, I thought, in the last two regular season games he played. They tried to boost his confidence up, you know, celebrating the franchise record, um, win, win record, but he hasn't looked great. Uh, I thought it was intriguing that they pulled him early in that game to kind of maybe send a message, a wake-up call. And uh, I think it's a very valid question. Hainsey's 37, and he hasn't looked great. 
he just he has not looked great down the stretch here for a while. Jonas, um, are we there yet? <laughs> I think we're approaching the Worcester Airport. Oh, yeah. So should we try and grab a flight there? Uh, I don't think there are flights out to Toronto right now. What if we fly into Buffalo and then rent a different Hyundai and then drive? <laughs> Do you think we can get a sponsorship from Hyundai? Hyundai! It's driving pretty You won't die in an ice storm. Official car. Official car of the Leaf Report? Yeah, official car of the Leaf Report by Hyundai. What kind of Hyundai is this? It's an SUV. It's like a small SUV. Does it say? It says 4x4. It says... Carry, carry the podcast, Mark. All right, I'm taking the phone here. Uh, Jonas, you just wrote about Zaitsev. There's another issue. And what do you want? To, what do you think they got to do with the with the defense pairings now? Like, uh, do they stick with Gardner Zaitsev as the matchup duo uh, against the Bergeron line in Game Three? That's a really hard question, and I don't know the answer to it because you looked in Game One, uh, Hainsey and Riley got destroyed anytime they were on the ice, and so at the beginning of Game Two. Babcock, understandably, tries to use Gardner and Zaitsev, and then they get scored on twice at even strength. I don't know what the right answer is. It's, it's kind of just the failing of what the team is. Like, they, they're they weak on the right side. And, you know, their top two right side defensemen are guys who probably sh- shouldn't be in that role. So I, don't, I, I would probably go Gardner and Zaitsev just because I think the way that they play, their skill set, they're both pretty good skaters. They're both They both have a little bit more... I don't know. I just think they're probably a better matchup for a line that's fast, skilled than Hainsey and, and Riley. You and I talked about this in the Leaf Report previewing this series about how, especially on that right side of the defense, th- those are not, they're obviously, they're not great blue liners, but they particularly don't match up very well against the Bruins' top line. The way that they like to play, where they're almost Sedin like they cycle the puck so well, they're very, very good on the back check, they're very good on the forecheck. Um, that's just like that's not that's not what Hainsey's good at is like breaking the big cycle and and, and moving the puck quickly and, and all of those things. So, but I think I think he's okay against teams that are maybe a little bigger and a little heavier and, and aren't as quick. But like they're just so quick and they're so skilled. And like Bergeron, he's just so strong in the puck. Like Hainsey was telling me before the series, like he's probably one of the harder guys in the league to move off the puck. He's got like this low center of gravity he protects it well Marchand is another guy who's who's really strong on pucks and then like they've got this really skilled young guy in Pasternak who's like their version of Nylander it's like well, the same sort of thing I thought it was really interesting after game two Bruce Cassie was talking obviously a lot about Pasternak because he had the huge the hat trick in the six-point game and Cassie said by playing him with those two he's learned a lot from those two about how to play and he's gotten thicker and he's gotten stronger and he's becoming more like one of those players so what a what a benefit to not only have Marchand and Bergeron as two great players but they're also downloading that knowledge onto and I think that that's what the Leafs wanted in someone like Patrick Marlowe is to be able to have have that kind of carry over to their young guys but I don't know where I'm going with that your turn yeah well we were talking since you brought up Pastor Knack Knock Pastor Knock I'm going with um you know William Nylander and him very close uh I think a few years ago Nylander was asked like as he was coming into the league, you know, who, which linemate did you enjoy playing with or have the best chemistry with? And he said it was Pasternak, and they became really close in Sweden before they came over. And uh, Nylander, I think, what his first career hat trick was against Boston. And Mike Babcock made that comment about how he, he all, you know, Nylander always plays well against Pasternak, and he always wants to outdo his buddy. And he joked that he was even going to put a, a stuffed animal 
of of, of, of uh, Pasternak in in Nylander's locker uh, just to get him geared up when they played Boston. But I, I feel like Williams been pretty quiet here so far, and we're still looking for for him to step up. It, although that line had its moments or had some some good moments in Game Two, we're still looking for a little bit more uh, more from him coming here and you know playing center. Maybe that gives him a chance to make you know maybe we're going to be talking about the Nylander game in Game Three. Well, and you know what? Like that's a that's these series. Like their best players have not been. Their best players have been bested by Boston's best players. Like yeah. Toronto's best players are Matthews, Kadri, Riley, Anderson, and those Neander, Marner, and those guys haven't been as good as Boston's best players. And like sometimes, like that's just what happens in a playoff series. We were saying coming into the series that they had to kind of play them to a draw, otherwise it was going to be really tough. And it hasn't been even hasn't even been close. Well, and in looking at like that matchup specifically against the Bruins top line. The way I kind of thought about it and was thinking about it is they could afford to sort of like to, to, to lose it 40% or 45%. But if the Bergeron line was like 80% and they're 20% or 70-30, you just don't have a chance. Like if they're, if they're completely hemming you in every shift and you're not generating anything and they're generating lots, like I just didn't think it was going to be possible for the Leafs to win. So we've been in the car for 51 minutes. We have eight and a half hours to go. I think we're running out of things to talk about on the podcast. Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, James. Uh, Wait, we have, what? we have to talk about? we. So we don't know, obviously, yet, and, and people listening to this may know by the time they hear this whether Leo Komarov is going to play. But they have an interesting decision as to what they do if he can't. Like, who do you put into the lineup? So what, what are our options here? Levo, Matt Martin, Dominic. Moore. Dominic Moore. See, Dominic Moore holds the key because he played for that Bruins team last year. He knows all of their weaknesses. I think I would put Dominic Moore up on, on a scoring line, and I think he's going to be the difference. A scoring? That's a hot take, James. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's, I, I would put him in the lineup. I think it's Levo. Don't you? I, I just think you I need the, the way that Placanic has played. So you take Placanic out? Well, you I don't... scratch him. I don't think you can, but... Why not? Why not? So they'll go back to like a Levo Moore situation on yeah, the fourth line. Yeah, why not? What do you think, Jonas? It's not the craziest idea. The problem, well, the, the the issue is like you risk losing him if you need need him later. Like, what are you getting from him right now? Well, that's the problem. They're not getting Nothing. anything. So I don't know. Maybe he's right. Maybe you have a fourth line of Levo Moore and Janssen. I don't know. You know, you know those report cards that the Athletic has after every game. So on on Plakanich's report card now every time the comments just fill up with saboteur yeah and people just put saboteur over and over again so that's what it looks like <laughs> it has not been good for thomas Placanitz. I, I i would make a change i know babcock's trying to you know be loyal to this guy but you have to win this game and thomas Placanitz isn't going to be back next year so you don't have to worry about any loyalty or anything i'd say well neither is more probably but uh, i i try and radically change that group because you're yeah. not getting enough out of that and you have to win the lower battles and hope for some sort of close off with the first line which you haven't been getting yet but you assume with the matchup and if you're if matthews is revving up which we think he is and he's due for his matthews type game you're going to need to win those the bottom of the lineup here and uh Placanitz certainly hasn't been giving you a lot i i would make a change those guys should be revved up, should be pretty motivated to get in. Say what you want about Moore, but he had a little bit of offense this season. Yeah, yeah. He generated a little bit. So you maybe you play him with Levo, Kappen, and Moore, and then maybe you get something out of that. Well, and the one thing he does that would help you is he's a, he's a good skater still. Yeah. And Plakanich just looks slow, right? He looks disinterested. 
Uh, I don't think that's true. I think he. I think he's kind of a uh, introverted personality. Like, I think he, he cares. Like, he would want to. Hockey players, like they're they're athletes. They're competitive. He just he just looks like a guy who's been like thrown upside down and doesn't look comfortable. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That's he looks lost. lost I think yeah. I think would be is more fair than disinterested. Yeah. One primary point in now twenty games with the Leafs. It's you're not getting much from him. Why not try something something different and. Uh, and uh, I would be all for that. And the, the injury to Leo Komarov gives you a kind of a, a, a window to do something here. Hartford. I see the turn off to Hartford. Go Whalers. Ba, 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 the ba, Brass ba, Bonanza, ba, ba, baby. Ba, 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 oh, yeah. Ba, ba. Come on, Jonas, sing along. Here, LeBron's favorite team. Yeah. No. Jonas is not singing. Are we going to do, like, an update when it's, like, 9 o'clock and we've been on the road for seven hours and well, James is all squirrely? I'm squirrely right now. Yes. We haven't even been in the car an hour. Um, I think we're going to send this in as is, and it's going to get posted, and people, it's going to be listened to by the millions. I would think this will be the highest-rated Leaf Report podcast, special guest star. Do I get anything for this? What are you going to get? We're not getting nothing for this. Maybe you give me a tea or something. I can get you a Bab Socks. You want some Bab Socks? Sure. All right. I'll take anything. I just want to get something out of this. (laughs) Okay, That's done. Well, we're hoping Hyundai comes through. Hyundai, you won't die in an ice storm. <laughs> TM. Okay. I think we're done. We're gonna we're gonna send this to Andrew Nolan, our producer, and he's gonna he's gonna push some buttons, and it's gonna sound better than it. It probably sounds terrible. If anyone listened to this all the way through, we thank you because you helped us through twenty minutes of our nine and a half hour drive today. Should we do another one later in the drive? Yeah, we. Never done two in- one no. no. We yeah, maybe we will. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah. The exciting conclusion. When we've like the we're crashed on the side of the road and we've cannibalized one of us and yeah. Yeah. Alright. Say goodbye, Jonas. Goodbye, Jonas. Everybody get your Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Murder. You been inside, know you like to lay low. I've been people what you bring to the table. Working hard, girl, everything paid for. First, last phone, bill, car, no cable. With your phone out, gotta hit them angles. With your phone out, snapping like you fable. And you showing off, but it's alright. And you showing off, but it's alright. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.